Well, hello, church family and friends. Uh, If you would, please open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, and we'll be in verses 16 through 25 this morning as we continue working our way through this book. Um, But before we jump in, I'd I'd love to invite you here in a few moments just to pray with me, uh, because we've got a monumental passage this morning that we need to be able to grasp. Uh, I'm a big fan of the movie Braveheart. Uh, I don't necessarily recommend it. Uh, It's a man's movie, but anytime a man wants to grow in courage, all he needs to do is is watch that movie, and you'll be ready to conquer the world with a Scottish accent. Uh, But in that movie, William Wallace, uh, the main character, has this famous line where he says, every man dies, but not every man really lives. And it's a striking statement as it exposes the reality that not every person is going to make the most of their life. And I think deep down in in every single one of us, we desire to live for something. We want to make our lives count. We want to make an impact. We want to make a difference. We want to live. And Paul is going to show us in this passage, he's going to say, listen, church, if you want to live a life full of significance, purpose, in passion, then you've got to walk according to the Spirit. And I think this is especially important for us during this season because many of us are asking, how do I maintain peace during times of uncertainty? How can I continue to experience joy when, when everyone else around me is afraid? How can I be patient when the world seems to be falling apart? And Paul's going to show us that the way we're able to do that is by yielding our lives to the Holy Spirit and walking according to His leading. So that's what we're going to talk about today. What does it look like to walk with the Spirit? How do we do that? What does that mean? But before we jump in, would you please pray with me? Oh, Father God, we thank You for this time. We thank You for this worship. That even though we're not here physically present, we're at our homes and we're, we're all declaring our praise to you together as one body. And God, once again, we come before you right now and we ask that you would speak to our hearts. Because we're human, we're, we have a tendency to struggle with our flesh and with our sinful desires. And so God, would you teach us what it means to walk by your spirit and would you graciously empower us to do so? We give you this time, would you be glorified? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I come from a, a fishing family. Uh, I grew up going to the coast every single summer. Uh, my family would go to Rockport and we would uh, fish our hearts out. And I realized that uh, fishing is a holy activity. Because anytime you, you know, if you read the scriptures, you see that Jesus often fished. And many of the disciples were fishermen. And so there is always, always a good reason to go fishing because it's God's work. I'm just imitating my Savior. Um, But I remember years ago, uh, my dad and I took me and my brothers on a fishing trip with a guide, which takes fishing to a whole nother level. Uh, Because when I fish by myself, um, I do a lot of fishing, not necessarily a lot of catching. Um, I just like throwing my line out there. And then if I catch a fish, that's a bonus. Uh, But we decided this time Uh, We're going to catch some fish. And so we went out with a guide, an expert in fishing. 
And I remember meeting our fishing guide, and he was this big old intimidating man's man, a guy you didn't want to mess with. And he took us out on the water to these secret spots, and he said, listen, I'm going to cast that line out for you. And I'm going to tell you when that fish is on the line, but don't set that hook until I tell you. Which sounds easy enough, uh, but when you've developed uh, bad habits like me and my brothers and my dad had, it's harder than it sounds. And so he'd cast that line out for us, and we'd feel that tug on our line, and we'd just whip that hook right out of the fish's mouth. And our guide would just shake his head, and he would say, quit depending on your own instincts and wait for my command. And over time, through much failure, we learn to wait for his voice, to trust in his leadership, to allow him to guide us. And as we yielded control over to our guide, we began to catch some fish. And as we got more and more repetition, we started getting rid of old bad habits, and we started to replace them with new ones. And the result was a much fruitful experience, which led to more joy and more confidence as we yielded control over to our teacher. And that's essentially what's going on in this passage. Paul tells the Galatians, he says, listen, you've been free. You're no longer bound by the law. You no longer have to do these things in order to appease God. Because Christ has died for you. He paid the price for your sins. You no longer have to earn your way to God. You no longer have to bear the guilt of your sins. You're free. You're free. In regards to salvation, Christ has already done it all. There's nothing more that we have to do. We don't need circumcision. We don't need the Mosaic law. All we need is Christ. God has saved us by grace. Just believe in Jesus. There's grace for you. But the problem with grace is this. If Christ has already done everything, then what am I supposed to do? If it's no longer necessary for me to abide by the law or do all these religious activities, then what am I to do? How then should I live? That's the issue. And Paul's response to that question is this, by walking with the Spirit. Instead of obeying laws, God has granted believers in Christ something so much better, namely himself, the promised Holy Spirit. For Christians, when we believe in Christ for the salvation of our sins, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell inside of us. And it is he who gives us assurance of salvation. It is he who enables us to live in a manner that glorifies Christ. Now, the Holy Spirit is is not some force like you see in Star Wars. He's not some mystical type of energy. Rather, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. Equal, distinct, yet unified with the Father and the Son. And for believers in Christ, when, when we trust in him... The Holy Spirit becomes our guide. He reminds us of all truth and he will lead us into righteousness. And as we yield our life over to the Holy Spirit, he will replace the sinful, ugly things in our lives with beautiful attributes of God. 
that will allow us to love God and love people, which will cause us to live a life full of significance and purpose and passion. That's what this passage is all about. Well, I've broken up verses 16 through 25 into two main sections. The first section is verses 16 through 18, where Paul is going to show us why walking by the Spirit is so important. And then the second section is verses 19 through 25, where Paul is going to reveal what walking with the Spirit looks like and why we should have confidence. That's where we're heading. So if you would, turn to Galatians chapter 5, or you can just follow along on the screen. And let's read verses 16 through 18 as we talk about why walking by the Spirit is so important. Verse 16 says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Let's stop there. Paul starts off by saying, if you desire to overcome the flesh, meaning these sinful desires that you and I have, he says, then you need to learn how to walk by the Spirit. He says, if you're ever going to overcome these addictive sinful tendencies that you and I have, then you've got to learn how to walk by the Spirit, for there is no other way to overcome sin apart from the Spirit. I don't care how disciplined you are, apart from the Holy Spirit, there is no victory. You can try as hard as you want. You can fight with every fiber in your being to overcome the selfishness that exists in your heart, but unless the Holy Spirit moves, you will not overcome. The reason why walking by the Spirit is so important is because there's a battle going on in our souls that we cannot win apart from the Spirit. Selfishness and pride will crush us unless the Spirit of God moves in our lives. Verse 17 talks about how there's this massive battle that we are in. And Paul says this is of utmost importance. You've got to grasp this because life is war. Life is war. You are never going to conquer the flesh until you understand the seriousness of the battle. You will never pray and live with the vibrancy and urgency that we were meant to until we grasp the fact that life is war. Paul says... If we truly understood the spiritual implications of the battle going on within us and around us, we would walk and we would live differently. Uh, It's interesting observing our culture right now. Uh, We're living in a day and age where, where everybody is taking all sorts of precautions in order to overcome this invisible virus. Uh, Many of us, when we go into the store, uh, we're wearing a mask and gloves unless we're a rebel. Uh, We get into our car and we we wipe down our our hands with hand sanitizer. We go home and we spray everything with Lysol. We wash our hands 20 times a day. Overreaction or not, we are paying much closer attention to how we are living our lives. And Paul is pleading with the Galatians to do the exact same thing in this passage. 
He pleads with believers in Christ to pay close attention to how we are living our lives because there is an invisible battle going on in our soul and we are not going to overcome temptation passively. We will never walk with the Spirit the way we were meant to until we understand and believe that every single one of us is capable of throwing our lives down the drain because of self-centeredness and sin. On our own, we do not have what it takes to overcome the sin that exists in our life. No amount of self-discipline, no amount of willpower, no amount of human strength will ever overcome the selfishness that exists in our hearts. There's only one way to overcome, and that's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. How do I stop looking at pornography? By walking with the Spirit. How do I stop abusing alcohol? By walking with the Holy Spirit. How do I stop screaming and fighting with my wife or my husband? By walking with the Holy Spirit. How do I stop cutting corners and cheating? By walking with the Holy Spirit. How do I stop thinking negatively about myself by walking with the Holy Spirit? How do I find peace by walking with the Holy Spirit? How do I taste joy by walking with the Holy Spirit? There's no neutral ground in these verses. We're either walking with the Spirit or we are gratifying our own selfish desires. You're either walking towards God or you're walking away from God. It's one or the other. And so now you should be asking the question, okay, Jason, I get it, but what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? How do I do that? (laughs) And there's a lot that I could say. We could preach about this for the next month. But let me say a few things. If you look at the Greek, the word for walk is an ongoing action. Meaning, this isn't a one-time event. It's a continuous, second-by-second, moment-by-moment action. Paul tells the Galatians, literally, keep on walking with the Spirit and don't stop walking with the Spirit and you will overcome the flesh. This word for walk in the Greek means to follow after someone in a particular direction. It's interesting If you go to John chapter 16, you'll see in verse 14 that when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, he says that the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit to those of you that believe in Jesus, and the Spirit will glorify him. That's a big statement. Therefore, walking with the Spirit equates to glorifying Jesus. When we walk with the Spirit, we make much of Jesus. To walk by the Spirit is to worship and glorify Jesus in everything we say and everything we do. And the way that Jesus wants us to glorify Him is by allowing Him to love us and then reciprocating that love back to Him in to others. Love God, love people. That's how we glorify Jesus, and that's how we walk by the Spirit. And we love Jesus by learning from Him, 
by walking in his footsteps and obeying what he says. Let me say that one more time because that's important. We love Jesus by learning from him, by walking in his footsteps, and by obeying what he says. Uh, One of the ways that I love my wife is by figuring out what makes her happy. Because a happy wife is a happy life. And all the husbands said, amen. But it's true. When my wife is happy, when she's satisfied, it brings me joy. And over time, I've learned, and I'll continue learning for the rest of my life, how I can demonstrate love to my wife. For instance, the other day, uh, she was having a tough day. Because as a lot of you know, it's hard being cooped up in your home all day. Doesn't matter if you live with someone as awesome as me. Okay, she misses other people. She misses her family. She misses her friends. It's hard. And since she was having a tough day, um, I decided that I would bring her home some ice cream. uh, Because ice cream almost fixes everything. But I knew that if I did that, it would make her happy. It makes my wife happy when I cherish her, when I plan date nights, when I keep family time sacred, and I don't let it get mixed up with work, when I do the dishes, even when I'm not asked to, which I'm not very good at. But when I demonstrate my love to her and I do these things, it cultivates our relationship. Now, let me be honest here for a moment. There are times when I don't feel like doing those things because I'm human. And even though I'm a Christian, I have a tendency to be self-centered. And sometimes the most loving thing that I can do is go against what I feel. Let me say that again. Sometimes the most loving thing that I can do is to go against what I feel. And here's why I say this. Walking by the Spirit is not this constant feeling of happiness. It's it's not always just wanting to worship Jesus. No, sometimes the opposite is true. We're not feeling it, but we do it anyways because we love Jesus. Can I be real with you for a minute? Sometimes when I read my Bible, I don't feel like I'm getting anything out of it. There are times when I pray and I don't feel like I'm connecting with God. Fireworks don't go off every time that I serve Jesus. But I read anyway. And I pray anyway. And I serve anyway. Because I love God. I love Him. He's been so gracious to me. I want to know Him. I want to follow Him. I want to worship Him. So I do things even when I don't feel it. And at times when we, when we do something, even though we don't want to do that, is, is, it, is it not love? Is that not love that compels us to do those things? Some of you are listening right now and you're like, Jason, I, I don't feel it. I'm struggling. I don't know where God is right now. And I just want to encourage you. God hasn't left you. He's still right there with you. For those of you that trust in Christ, the Spirit indwells in you. He's leading you. He's guiding you. Just take another step. Keep walking. This is an opportunity for you to demonstrate your faith 
to demonstrate your love even when you don't feel it. And in my opinion, that's where character is forged. It's easy to do things when you feel it. You find out what you're made of when you do something, even though you're not feeling it. And as we make a habit of learning and obeying Jesus, no matter what season of life that we're in, the Spirit of God comes alongside of us, and He propels us forward, giving us the strength necessary to take another step as He guides us, as He encourages us, as He comforts us, as He teaches us, as He convicts us, and He makes us more like Jesus. That's what it looks like to walk by the Spirit. And so the next question is, well, well, how do I know if I'm walking by the Spirit? Like, how do I know if I'm glorifying Jesus with my life? Well, that's what this next section is about. And Paul says it's, it's actually pretty simple to find out. Just observe the obvious. What habits are in your life? Self-centered ones or Christ-centered ones? He says this in, in verse 19. He says, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Paul contrasts here two different types of living. He says this is what life looks like if we are being led by the flesh. And he says, this is what life looks like if you're being led by the Spirit. So how do you know if you're walking by the Spirit? Paul says, look at your fruit. It should be evident. It should be obvious. He says, if you're living in sin, then you're obviously not walking with the Spirit because you cannot sin and walk with the Spirit at the same time. Now, this is not an exhaustive list of sins. There are way more than just these. You can go to other letters that Paul wrote to different churches and you'll find a different set of sins. Perhaps these are specific sins that the Galatian church was struggling with. You got sexual sins, relational sins, indulging sins, religious sins. And let me ask you this. If this was a personalized letter written to you, what would be on that list? What would your list look like? What are you prone to? When you're not following the Spirit and you're given into the flesh, what sins tend to manifest? But Paul tells the Galatians, if you are practicing these things, one thing you can be sure of, you are not walking with the Spirit because you can't sin and follow God at the same time. And then you've got that terrifying verse in the second half of verse 21 where Paul says this, he says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And if you're like me, you read that verse and you go, dang it. (laughs) Because I struggle with anger from time to time. 
I get jealous. I struggle with impure thoughts. Like, what does this mean? Like, am I not saved? Well, let's look at the context. Let's read verse 24 again. It says this. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Paul is referencing back to what he's already said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, where he says, For I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Notice that both of these verses, Galatians 5.24 and Galatians 2.20, are both written in the past tense. Meaning that this is something that has already happened. This is talking about conversion. Paul is telling the Galatians, when you place your faith in Christ and trusted in Jesus alone for the salvation of your sins, you became united with him. Meaning you are no longer identified by your sin anymore, but you are, you are identified by the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. You no longer belong to your sin. You belong to Jesus. You used to be marked by guilt, but now you're marked by love. You once were lost, but now you're found. You used to be blind, but now you see. Because Christ died for your sins and he rose from the dead. And when he did that and you placed your trust in him, he made you new. And your identity is now in Christ. The battle has been won. It's over. Christ has ultimately already defeated all of your sins once you trust in him. You don't need to worry about losing your salvation after that. But as you and I know, For the believer in Christ, temptation does not just go away. In fact, I'd say it gets harder because we've now waged war against this selfish, sinly, sin desire that's that's in us once we place our faith in Jesus. And Paul says, listen, I know it's going to be hard, but that's not you anymore. Those people that live that way and don't trust in Christ are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So don't go there anymore. It doesn't make sense. Uh, this past November, my wife and I, we, we sold our house because we've outgrown it. And uh, we moved to a new house. But I've caught myself on numerous occasions driving into my old neighborhood, pulling up to my old house. And then I'll get there and remind myself, oh, I don't live here anymore. I don't live here anymore. But for so long, I was used to going down this path and driving up to this address. There are going to be times, even as believers in Christ, you're you're going to instinctively go back to old sinful habits because you are so used to driving that way. And in those moments, we have to remind ourselves And we have to get people around us who remind us as well, hey, Jason, you don't live there anymore, brother. That's not your address anymore. You got a new one. That's not who you are. For those of us that have trusted in Christ, we've been granted a new identity and we've been graciously given the Holy Spirit who now indwells inside of us. And there is a new way of life that we get to live because of the grace that we've been given. We no longer have to live in the sin that used to define us. Paul saying, Galatians, you don't have to go there anymore. You've got a new address. You've got a new address, so walk in that new identity. 
And church, that's why it's so important that we continue to gather and get people all around us who will remind us over and over and over again, hey, that sinful stuff ain't you anymore. You're free to go there, but that ain't you. You've got the Spirit now. You're destined for eternal glory. Walk in that way. And then as we trust in Christ, as we walk in His ways, the fruit of the Spirit will manifest. I think it's interesting that when you read this, it says fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. It's singular. And I think that's because collectively all of these attributes represent a person, namely Jesus. These qualities represent who Jesus is. So as we abide in Christ, as we spend time learning and obeying him, the fruit of the Spirit will manifest. The purpose of this list, and this is typically what we do, the purpose of this list is not to look at patience. And say, man, I need to work a lot harder at being patient. No, the purpose of this list is to show you that if you abide in Christ and yield your life to him and his spirit, patience will naturally happen. You don't need to seek patience. Just seek Jesus through his spirit and he will grow patience in you. God is the one who develops these attributes in us as we daily surrender our lives to Jesus. So that becomes our daily routine. That's how we walk with the Spirit. We try to learn from Jesus. We try to obey His Word, and we surrender our lives to Him every single day. That becomes our prayer to God. We say, God, unless you intervene, even as a Christ follower, I'm prone to turn to the flesh. I'm prone to be self-centered. But God, I believe that you sent Jesus to die so this self-centered man could be set free. And you've given me your spirit so that I wouldn't be enslaved to my sin anymore. And I now know that I have the opportunity to live a life marked by the fruit of your spirit. And we make this our daily plea Moment by moment, throughout the day, we don't stop. We say, God, guide me by your spirit. I've been set free. My identity is in Christ. When we sin, we repent. We say, that's not my address. I've got a new one. And we keep taking steps of faith. That's what it looks like to walk by the spirit. And then as we come to God and we practice doing this daily, seeking to make much of Jesus, despite how we feel, the Spirit of God will help us to overcome our flesh and live lives that will glorify God and bless others. Love God, love people, even when I don't feel it. That's what it means to walk by the Spirit. And now, as a reminder of what we've talked about, we have the privilege to come together this morning as a family in order to remember the death and the sacrifice of Jesus by observing communion. Uh, But before we even take communion, I'm going to give you a moment just to come before the Lord in silent prayer as you contemplate the sacrifice that Jesus made on your behalf. But before we do that, I, I realize that there's people watching right now, and you look at that list in Galatians, and you look at the deeds of the flesh, and you're like, man, that... That's me. That's always been me. 
I've never experienced the fruit of the Spirit. I don't even know what that is. And I want to encourage you right now that there is hope for you that Christ came and he lived a life that you could not live and he died for your sins, all of them. And he took that stuff to the grave and he rose from the dead and he beckons anybody who will trust in him for the salvation of their sins that they will be set free. They'll be set free. And I want to encourage you, if that's you right now and you know you've never trusted in Christ, would you call on him now? Would you cry out and say, God, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe in the provision you've given me through Christ. And I believe I'm saved by Christ alone. And it's a gift, it's by grace. Would you call upon him right now? He'll hear you. He'll hear you. And once you believe, he'll send his spirit in you. And the fruit of the spirit will be possible for you too. For those of you that have trusted in Christ, uh, perhaps this would be a good time for you to come before God again and just ask him, God, would you help me to walk by your spirit? I can't do this on my own. Help me to walk by the spirit. Some of you feel distant from God this morning. Communion is a reminder that because of Christ, we can start over again today and we can start over as many times as we need to because God's love for us is unending for those of us that believe in Jesus. So come back right now. Walk with the Spirit. So we're going to do that. We're going to take communion together here in a moment. If you haven't already gathered your elements, go ahead, go, quick, grab them, whatever you have. Grab some bread, some juice, and then come back and have some quiet time. But we're going to do that right now for a brief moment, just 60 seconds or so, and then I'll lead us through communion. So let's do that right now. Well, church, I, I want to remind you that right now, as, as you take communion, for those of you that have been struggling, you're walking by the Spirit right now. I don't care where you've been the past week, past month, past year. For those of you that are, have trusted in Christ, right now in this moment, as you take communion, as you've learned from Jesus to do this, you're now obeying and you're doing what he's commanded. You're walking by the Spirit. And so if you've been struggling lately, you're, you're taking a step forward right now. And I want to encourage you that after you're done taking communion, take another step, then another one, and another one, and another one. Don't worry about tomorrow. You focus on today. How can you glorify Jesus today? That's all that God's asked you to do. Don't worry about tomorrow. 
how can you glorify Jesus today and then go do it? In 1 Corinthians 11, it says this. It says, the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Church, the body of Christ, take and eat. In the same way also, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Church, the blood of Christ, take and drink. pray with me? Well, Father God, we come before you right now, and I know so many of us, these past few weeks have just been hard. Um, we've struggled with fear, God. We've struggled with anxiety. We've struggled with trusting you. But God, for those of us that are in Christ, we know that we can start over right now. And as we just took communion, God, we are expressing that we want to worship you, Lord. We want to remember you. We want to walk in your ways. Would you help us, God? Would you cause your spirit to empower us to manifest the fruit of your spirit? God, we love you. We thank you for your grace. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, church, we miss you. We love you. We're praying for you. And hopefully... We'll see you real soon. I hope you have a great Sunday.